Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. Uh, I think the Glendora campus is all decked out now after our day of decorating over there. I hope you uh, enjoy the the festivities and the the beauty of the season. Uh, We are looking forward to the season to come and Christmas Eve services and Christmas parties uh, and all the good stuff in this uh, this time of year. Uh, We want to dive into our series of studies in the Gospel of Luke today because Christmas, we're going to see, is the biggest surprise in history. And all of the Gospel of Luke is about the surprise that Jesus was when he showed up. And so, you know, there's a certain kind of surprise that happens when you realize that you know where something came from. When you look at something and you realize you know its origins, there's a surprise that happens. So, for instance, when you see a kid uh, who you don't necessarily know, but, but you look at their facial features, you look at their, the way their eyes look, the color of their hair, and you suddenly realize whose child they are. And something clicks. You go, oh, hey, are you Miller's kid? because they look exactly like their parents, and you recognize the connection. And there's just sort of a pleasant surprise that comes when you recognize someone that way. Or when you're you're eating a recipe at Christmas dinner, and you realize somebody has recreated grandma's casserole that you haven't had in a few years, and you taste it, you go, oh, is this grandma's recipe? And you suddenly realize where it came from. And there's this this pleasant surprise that comes from from looking at it, from tasting it, and from, from from knowing what its origins are. Uh, or for instance, there was, a, uh, there was a moment where this family went to stay in this nice hotel that was like their family's favorite hotel. And they had a little kid who about five years old. was just starting to figure the world out. And they're walking through the lobby of this, this beautiful hotel, marble floors. The, the logo of the hotel chain is, is in the marble in the lobby. So you walk over the, the logo as you walk through the lobby. And so this family is in this, this favorite hotel. They have their little five-year-old with them. And they're walking through the lobby, and the five-year-old looks at the logo of the hotel on the floor and goes, hey, this is the image that we have on our towels at our house. And, and suddenly, the kid has realized where the towels came from. There, there's a kind of a surprise that comes from recognizing where something came from. In Jesus' teachings, in the Gospel of Luke, there's a moment where he tells us how to, how to identify where something has come from so that we are not surprised by it, so that we are not caught off guard when we discover it. And that's what we're going to look at today. Take a minute and pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that you want us to find our way through this world wisely, that you want us to be able to identify good and bad things from their sources, that you want us to be able to discern what is healthy for us, what is wise for us in this life, and what might lead us astray. And so I ask that as we open your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit would illumine our minds so that we would know you more and know your will more and be able to find our ways wisely through this world. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, if you got your Bible, turn them on, open them up. 
get ready to highlight and underline. We're in Luke chapter 6 again at verse 43, and we're going to look at two metaphors that Jesus uses to tell us to, to uh, find out where things came from, to look, to discern what the source of things is and whether those sources are good or bad for us. Uh, Luke chapter 6 at verse 43, listen to God's word. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Now bear in mind, Jesus is not a gardener. He's not talking to us about how to grow fruit trees. This is a metaphor, and he wants us to think, what now what's he talking about? Nor does a bad tree bear bad fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Right? So Jesus tells us what the parable is about. It's not about fruit trees. It's about people. And, and what comes out of people's mouths wells up from in their heart. The, the source is what's down deep. Remember, this is a fundamental biblical principle. If you want to understand the fruits, look at the roots. Because good roots produce good fruits. The first test of whether or not we are living life well is whether or not our worldview, our commitments, and our beliefs manifest in the form of a loving and wise life. Because wisdom is the fruit of a mature mind. And love is the fruit of a mature heart. And the ultimate measures of whether or not we are living life rightly, whether we are living life on Jesus' terms, is if they manifest in a loving and wise life. Because wisdom is the fruit of a mature mind, and love is the fruit of a mature heart. Uh, now, Jesus means us to use this teaching for a couple of different applications, but not for a specific third application. Let me, let me show you what they are. Jesus means for us to use this teaching as an application for our own defense and precaution. You don't want to be led astray by false teachers. And the way to discern whether or not a teaching is good or bad is whether or not it leads to a loving and wise life. If it does not, if it leads, leads to an angry and anxious life, then its roots are bad. Evil roots manifest in anger and anxiety. Good roots manifest in love and wisdom. So he means this for our own precaution. It's a warning to discern when we're being led astray by false teachers. Secondly, it's an encouragement. If, if, you're, if you are becoming increasingly loving and wise, you know you are like a tree rooted by streams of water. Your roots are in the right place. If you, if you can discern, hey, I'm actually able to respond to people more graciously and lovingly than I used to. I'm actually able to discern things more wisely than I used to. It's, a, it's an encouragement for you. You're on the right path. So, so he means this defensively as a precaution and as an encouragement to us. What Jesus does not mean this teaching to be is offensive, where we go around evaluating everybody else's fruit to see whether or not they're doing well. He does not mean this as a teaching that we use to go around inspecting everybody else to see if they're manifesting the right fruit in their lives. 
of all the spiritual gifts listed in the Bible, fruit inspection is not one of them. Of the, of the roles of leadership in the church listed in Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, it does not say fruit inspectors. Jesus, in the teaching just before this, has said, do not judge lest you be judged. So this is strictly as a precaution to protect us and an encouragement as we grow. It is not an empowerment to go around evaluating everybody else, okay? So that's, that's this teaching. If, if you are rooted well, your life grows into good fruit, and the best fruit of a healthy and uh, uh, mature life is love and wisdom. Now, verse 46, Jesus explains where all this comes from. And this verse is going to tie together the metaphor we just read and the metaphor that's yet to come. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's the anchor of these two texts. Don't call me Lord and then ignore me. If you are going around chasing things other than love and wisdom, don't pretend like you're following me. If your favorite news program or social media platform feeds your anger and your anxiety, and you like it, you like the outrage, you like the bitterness, it's because you're not obeying Jesus. Followers of Jesus are not turned on by rage. Followers of Jesus are seeking love and wisdom because wisdom is the fruit of a mature mind and love is the fruit of a mature heart. Okay, so now he's going to go on to the next metaphor. Verse uh, 46 again, and then read how this ties into the next metaphor. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Some translations say on sand. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and the destruction was complete. Again, this is a metaphor. It's a metaphor not about house building, uh, although Jesus knew more about that. Jesus was a carpenter. He knew more about that uh, than about gardening. But it's not about house building. It's about you and I. If we base our lives on the teachings of Jesus, if we obey Jesus, we are like someone who built their house on a solid foundation. And when the storms come, our lives will stand through the storms. Those who ignore Jesus are like somebody who builds their house on sand. And when the storms come along, their lives fall apart. Let's say you go through a pandemic, hypothetically. On the other side of it, do you still maintain loving and healthy relationships or have you burned through all of your friendships? On the other side of a storm like that, are you attracted to every accusatory conspiracy theory that comes to town or you are attracted to a patient and calm wisdom that seeks to discern without panic? Because wisdom is the fruit of a mature mind, and love is the fruit of a mature heart. 
And Jesus says, if, if you do not base your life on my teachings, the foundation will not be solid. And when the storms of this life come along, the crises, the, the, the disasters, the, the illnesses, the financial troubles, the relational troubles, when those come along, if you are not founded in me, the storm's going to knock you down. And that has played out over and over again. It plays out in the physical world and it plays out in the spiritual world. Uh, it, uh, if, you, if, you, uh, if you look down in about an hour south of here, there's this place in Rancho Palos Verdes in San Pedro called the Portuguese Bend Slide. There's this road I used to drive down on the way to work because I worked in San Pedro. Uh, I lived in San Pedro. Uh, and I, when I drove to work, I drove down this street and the street was always cracked. And they were always pouring more asphalt down and working on the street. And I couldn't figure out why. And I looked it up and there's this, this place down about an hour south here, right by the ocean, where underneath the ground has become destabilized. And so the top level be, it has been shifting increasingly towards the ocean. And it, it shifts at the rate of about a centimeter a day and has been doing so since the 1950s. Uh, you know how much that is, a centimeter a day? I don't either. I'm not European. I don't, it's a centimeter, is it an inch? I don't know. I feel like it should be a, a, a centimeter a day since the 1950s is a lot. Let's just say that. And I know that because I used to drive down the street and they were always pouring more asphalt and restriping the, the pavement because the foundation wasn't solid. And that can happen to churches. And that can happen to people. Since the 1960s in the United States of America, churches have been on the decline. Church attendance has been on the decline, and the number of churches, the number of houses of worship in our country has been on the decline. Because somewhere along the way, the foundation stopped being solid. It's entirely possible to walk into a church today where the pastor never touches a Bible and Jesus is never named. Is Jesus a lovey-dovey grandfather that lets you, lets you do whatever you want? Who knows if nobody's looked at Jesus in a long time? Is Jesus a general trying to marshal armies to fight a culture war and win elections? Who knows if nobody's looked at Jesus in a long time. Churches have been on the decline since the 1960s because the foundation is not solid. Uh, there's this uh, research uh, organization called Lifeway Research, and they said that in 2014, 3,700 3, churches closed in the United States. 2014, 3,700 churches closed in the, United, in the United States. 2019, 4,500 churches closed in the United States. And that is before the pandemic. The numbers on the last couple of years are not in yet, but I bet it was devastating. Because there were all kinds of churches that lost hold of Jesus, that lost hold of the mission of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And the foundation wasn't solid. And when the storms came along, the churches fell down. It happens to individuals too. Those, those declining churches is declining because there are less people worshiping Jesus in our country. Uh, the statistics now suggest that uh, most churches in America are at best at 85% of the attendance they had before the pandemic. Some 50% or less. Some have closed because there are people who were not deeply connected. And, and the crises of the last few years have them further away. And I'm not talking about people who just worship at home instead of in church. I'm talking about people who know that they have not felt close to Jesus in a long time. They have felt that gap grow. And it's time to rebuild the foundation. 
it's time to repot the plant in good soil. And so if we're going to take Jesus' precautions here and say, look, good, good lives should produce good fruit. And if you're not producing good fruit, you need to look at the soil. Good houses should withstand storms. And if you're not withstanding the storms, you need to look at the foundation. Here are five ways to begin to rebuild a foundation with Jesus. To repot a plant in good soil. Here are five practices, spiritual practices, which if we do, we will never be dissatisfied with our spiritual life. Number one, you were designed to worship. You were made to worship. It's, it's not a preference. It's not an opinion. It's, it's in your hardware. You were designed to worship. And you were designed specifically to work in a cycle of worship and work and worship, work and worship, work and rest, work and rest, work and Sabbath, work and Sabbath. It goes back to the, the creation. God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he Sabbathed. And you are made the same way. You are made to exist in a cycle of weekly work and worship. And you cannot put that off. Saying that I'm, I'm, I'll worship once a month and that will be good is exactly like having a gym membership and saying, I'll exercise once a month and that'll be good. It will not be good because you need to exercise every week. And your body and your soul come from the same manufacturer. You are made to exist in a weekly cycle of work and worship. And you and I need to worship weekly if we are going to be planted on a strong foundation. Secondly, we need to exist, we're made to exist in community, and we need community around us. If you've never joined one of the small groups of the church, join one of the small groups of the church. It's eight or ten people who get together often to share a meal, uh, read a Bible verse, and talk about life, and to pray for each other. If you've never been in one before, you need that. We need that. All the psychological and sociological studies out there say that loving relationships is the surest path to happiness. And if we want to be happy and healthy people, we need to learn to love, to exist in a community of relationships around us. So one, we are made to worship. Two, we are made for community. Three, you and I are made to be messengers. We are designed to carry a message. It's not a preference. It's not an opinion. It's not something that some people do and some people don't. You and I are made to be messengers. Jesus empowers us to go into the world and be apprenticed shepherds seeking lost people and bringing them home. And you can do this anywhere you go. A, a week ago, I was in Walmart in the pet food aisle. And I, I saw this guy trying to pick up one of those 50-pound bags of dog food, and he started to stumble backwards. And I was right beside him, so I just instinctively reached out and caught him. And he told me that he had had a spinal injury, and it made it hard to keep his balance. And because I've, I've been in the habit of doing this, this just rolls off my tongue now. I said, well, you know, I like to pray for people. Can I pray for you for a minute? You would be stunned at how often people eagerly say yes to that. I know it's, we fear rejection. We fear people looking at us like we're weird. You would be stunned at how often people just say yes to that. And he said yes. And I prayed for him. But before I was even done, before I could ask if he felt any better, he launched into a conversation about how he had been baptized as a child, but it hadn't meant anything to him. And so we talked about what adult faith looked like standing in the pet food aisle at Walmart 
it's not exactly holy ground. But when you're a messenger, when you know you're a messenger, when you know you are sent by the great messenger, everywhere you go can be holy ground. You are made to carry a message, and there is nothing more rewarding in this life, nothing more satisfying in this life than introducing other people to Jesus. If you spend your life introducing other people to Jesus, you will never come to the point where you say, I'm not really getting anything out of church these days. This is not really satisfying. Because living out the message where you watch people's lives change and you watch people's eternity change is the most gratifying experience you will have. We're made to be worshipers. We're made for community. We're made to be messengers. And we're made to be missionaries. You and I are made to be on mission, meaning we are specifically sent to care for the least and the lost. We are sent to care for people in the most need. In January, our church is going down to Tijuana, Mexico to help build a church or some classrooms for a church uh, in this church planting network that's now building its 50th church. And we're going to go help with that. As much as we're trying to build a church here in uh, L.A. County, we're going to go and build a church in Tijuana. You're welcome to, to sign up for that. Let us know that you want to go. If you can't go, offer to sponsor somebody who needs to go. You'll watch on social media. They'll post, hey, I, I'm fundraising for my Mexico trip. Donate to somebody else's Mexico trip. Or pray for our Mexico trip. Or come volunteer at the pantry this Saturday. But live your life on mission. Live your life to care for those who are in greater need than you so that you can point them to Jesus. We are made for worship. We're made to live in community. We're made to be messengers. We're made to be missionaries. And we are made to be generous. You and I are designed to give generously. The Bible lays out the call to tithing, which is giving 10% of our income to a house of worship so that God's name would be known. And as I always say, and I'll say again, if you think I'm fundraising, give to the church next door. I have absolutely no problem with that at all. They have absolutely no problem with that at all. I'm not fundraising. I'm not after your wallet. I'm after your soul. And you and I are made to be generous. And remember, we print in God we trust on the back of his leading competitor. And if you want to be free from anxiety in this life, the fastest way to do it is to stop grabbing at the thing that makes you the most anxious which is your money. You and I are made to be generous. And if you've never experienced that before, make that your New Year's resolution for next year. So these are the five things that we can do to reestablish a strong foundation in our lives, to make sure that the, the tree that is our life is planted in good soil and bearing good fruit. If you do these things, if you do those five things, you will absolutely experience a peace that comes from weekly reconnecting with the God who loves you. You will experience mission and purpose in living to carry a message to people, especially those who are in need. You will experience a deep love in community with other people. And you will experience freedom from greed that robs you of peace. And most importantly, if you do these things, if you obey Jesus, if you found your life in him, you will experience love and wisdom. Because wisdom is the fruit of a mature and love is the fruit 
of a mature heart. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for teachings that set us right. And I ask that by the power of your spirit, you would make these teachings sink deep in our hearts like seeds that would grow up and bear good fruit of love and wisdom. That as we travel through this world, we might do it with grace and honor your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Go be the church. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.